good evening, everyone, and thank you for a really warm welcome. It's actually an honour to be here and a joy to be here. Um, I did speak at Theology in the Pub maybe five or six years ago. Any of you remember with my dear husband and we spoke about marriage? So it's a real joy to be back, but I must say I'm a little bit intimidated being here alone tonight because I can see, in fact, that there are probably many very, very smart people in the room. And I can see this because I think the girls are probably very smart because they're smart enough to realise that they're coming along for some free beauty tips. And I think the boys are probably very smart because they're realising that there's going to be lots of beautiful women in the room. <laughs> and guys, I don't think you've been let down, so let's give all the girls a big clap.
to think about what is a beautiful woman, they come up with these amazingly uniform lists of what it is to be a beautiful woman. A beautiful woman has long hair. A beautiful woman wears a lot of makeup. A beautiful woman is slim and sexy, but she has an hourglass figure. So she's skinny, but she has an hourglass figure. She has the shape, right-shaped eyebrows. She has fantastic clothes. She has, she's actually Caucasian, but she, so she's white, but she's brown. Okay, she's got to have a tan. She's white, but she's tanned. Amazingly uniform lists of what it is to be a beautiful woman. She's also aged between the ages of about 18 and 27. So it's a beauty crisis that our girls have this limited idea about what beauty is in a woman. And I believe it's a, a beauty crisis that cosmetic surgery is one of our fastest growing industries in Australia. And that it's being normalised for women and girls, young girls being encouraged to start these procedures early so as to prevent the signs of ageing. And it's a crisis that in the last couple of years, over 500,000 young girls in the US have posted clips of themselves on YouTube asking complete strangers to answer the question, am I beautiful or am I ugly? So from an early age, women are trained into thinking that beauty actually means perfection. That beauty is simply prettiness or sexiness. And then they strive by any means to fit into the beauty stereotype in order that they can be successful, that they can be, that they can have happy relationships. And as a result, we see in our society that women are experiencing mental health issues, eating disorders, depression, etc. And obviously it suits our advertising industry very well to have women actually believe that they're not beautiful. Because what do we do when we believe we're not beautiful? We consume. We buy things. We spend money on makeup, on clothes, on gym memberships, etc., etc., to make up for the emptiness that we're feeling. So this, our culture's confusion about beauty is not only in our women, but it's also in the level of culture and academia, where philosophers are increasingly convinced that beauty is an insignificant and worn-out category that actually there's no such thing as objective beauty. That beauty is only in the eye of the beholder. Nietzsche believed the category of beauty was merely a symptom of weakness and modern humanity. And we can see too perhaps that beauty is in crisis in our church, where the influence of popular culture has led to confusion about what beauty actually is and why as Christians we should bother pursuing it. And perhaps we can think about um, of the ornate, delicate artwork 
and the detail of our churches and cathedrals of yesteryear to some of our modern, stark, cost and labour efficient churches of today. And likewise, our music and liturgy is often limited so that it is cost, time and labour efficient. And we see in a recent letter, Pope Francis actually implored artists to help everyone discover the beauty of creation. So as Christians, we're called to see beauty through a different lens than that of our culture. And for some clarity around what beauty actually is, and um, we can look actually to the to the ancient Greek philosophers who told us something really wonderful about beauty when they defined truth, beauty, and goodness. And they explained that every human being is in fact, in fact looking for truth, for beauty, and for goodness, and that our happiness lies in what we find in that search. Now, Plato also understood that the good, the true, and beautiful were essentially reducible to the same thing. So if something is good, then it's also true and beautiful. If something's true, then it's also good and beautiful. And if something's beautiful, then it must also be true and good. So he understood them as being unified as the one. Now, St. Augustine took that a little bit further. And he identified that one that had no name as the one true and living God. So for St. Augustine, beauty is actually another word for God himself. He refers to God as beauty. Beauty, late have I loved you. Therefore, when we encounter true beauty, we actually encounter God. And Augustine also points out that beauty in the world is merely a reflected beauty derived from the fact that God is its creator. He asserts that in order to actually see true beauty, we have to first go to the creator. And then knowing the creator, we may observe the creation and see that it does in fact bear the mark of the creator. So interestingly, if we look at the Old Testament, the word beauty isn't really there. Instead, we have the word glory. So this revelation of truth, beauty and goodness of God throughout the Old Testament is known as his glory. Now the Hebrew word for glory is from the same root as the, as the word for heavy or weighty. So God refer, glory refers to the sheer mind-blowing weightiness of God's presence. And this metaphor fits really well with the extreme reaction of the people of the Bible who, who when they got a glimpse of God, they were literally blown away, overcome, almost, almost crushed at times by the experience and the weightiness of God. And I think this is important insight because when we talk, when we come across beauty, it is actually an encounter, it's an experience. It leaves us moved, shaken, wanting more, uplifted. It actually nourishes and refreshes us. And we can experience beauty, of course, through more than just what we see. We can experience beauty through all of our senses. 
Do you imagine that the blind are exempt from the experience of beauty? No, we experience beauty through our eyes, sense of hearing, taste, smell and touch. And I think we probably overuse the word beauty like we do the word love. Oh, I've got a beautiful new car. A beautiful new dress. I'm trying this beautiful gelato flavour. Now maybe we should be saying I've got a sleek new car. An elegant dress. Or a delicious new gelato flavour. Although sometimes when we do have gelato, I think we are experiencing something of God. But anyway, <laughs> that's only because we lived in Rome three years and I've got a bit of a bias. <laughs> so keeping in mind that when we experience true beauty, we encounter God. I want you to think for a moment about your most recent experience of true beauty. And just take one minute and share it with another five Eventually, I find myself wondering 
So although I don't have any actual images here with me, I'd like to paint a picture for you of me before and after. That is, before and after I knew I was beautiful. So we'll travel back 30 years in time. Before most of you were born. <laughs> I'm young. I'm slim. I have long, shiny hair. I have clear, sun-kissed skin. I have money to spend on fashionable clothes. And I have an athletic young Hawthorne footballer on my arm. <laughs> but I'm so busy comparing myself to others, wishing that I had a cute ski jump nose. A friend told me in year seven when she was sitting next to me on the bus looking at my profile. How funny it was that I had the nose of a witch. <laughs> it really stung me. <laughs> and I chose to hang on to the negative comments rather than the positive things that people said about my appearance. I was very far from knowing that I was beautiful. So fast track to now. 50 years old. All of the visible signs of ageing. Now, this life has been kind on me tonight, okay? So don't be fooled. All of the visible signs of ageing. Grey hairs, wrinkles, etc. Little resources for personal time or resources for personal pampering. And when you have six kids, your stretch marks have stretch marks. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, I know, and I can say with full confidence what our culture tells us we shouldn't know and we shouldn't say, that I am thoroughly beautiful. <laughs> so, you've seen the before and the after images, and now you say, wow, so what's your secret? I'd like to know deeply that I am beautiful too. So I'm going to share now the how. I'm going to share my simple, usual beauty philosophy and then my simple three-step beauty regime. So, the why. Why should every woman know she's beautiful? So firstly, every woman should know she's beautiful because, in fact, she is God's most beautiful creation. Now, some of you will probably be familiar with Leah Darrow, who was a participant in America's Next Top Model turned theologian and speaker and promoter of beauty and purity. She explains creation in a fantastic way. She explains God first made the light and the dark. He made the sea and the sky. He made the land and the plants, etc., etc. He made the sun and the moon. Then he made the animals. Then he made man. And then the pinnacle of creation. He made a woman, and he stopped because he couldn't make anything more beautiful than a woman. 
And we sort of know that. We kind of know that because with her lovely hair and her skin and her shape, so eye-catching and alluring, it's no accident that it's almost there's almost always a woman in the world's most renowned artworks. And who tries to sell a car with a man lying on top of it? Okay, so the second reason that every woman should know she's beautiful. God, who is pure beauty, made woman in his image. God lovingly created each one. And he is head over heels. Besotted with each one of us. And we're called as women to see ourselves through the eyes of God, not through the distorted lens of our culture. Now in the scriptures, he clearly tells us you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in my mother's womb. The very hairs on your head are numbered. You are precious in my eyes. And if he was here with us now, he would tell you, you are not some random freaky accident of nature. You are my work of art. You are my delight. You are my precious one. I dreamt of you and brought you into existence. And I was touched to read St. Catherine of Siena on Beauty. She asks, what is it you want to change? Your hair? Your face? Your body? Why? For God is in love with all of these things and he might weep when they are gone. And thirdly, every woman should know that she is beautiful because it's essential to her identity and worth as a woman. At her core, Women are looking to know that they are lovable, that they are cherishable, that they are beautiful, that they won't be alone. It's fundamental to our identity. On the other hand, men's identity revolves more around questions of strength, prowess and proficiency. And this really helps me to understand why my husband Steve and I can joke around about his baldness, about his increasing body mass, <laughs> or the fact that when we go on a holiday, I can pack all of my gear into one of his shoes. <laughs> but it doesn't work the other way around. Jokes about my appearance are just not that funny. <laughs> Because it's an attack, you guys, you might have realised, you might have had that in your experience. It's just not that funny when you joke around about a woman, or the way a woman looks. Because it's an attack on our sense of self-worth. Okay, so 
Concerning the beauty regime, the philosophy now the regime. So you've probably all heard of the beatification process. This is kind of similar, but it's the beautification process. So instead of the outcome being sainthood, the outcome is beauty. And it's very simple. No gym memberships required. No expensive cream necessary. And so the first thing that we are asked to do, and in fact everything else follows from this, is contemplate him who is pure beauty. Through that contemplation to allow him to transform you on the inside. And when the insides are transformed, then you will be beautiful on the outside too. So, it's this invitation to contemplate him or to spend time in prayer with him by looking directly at him. Now, as a member of the Emmanuel community, I'm called to spend a long time in prayer each day, when possible, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So, this is really a time when I can sit directly before him. I can implore him to transform me, to show me his beauty and shape me more and more into his image. And I also try to receive him in the Eucharist in order to be more and more like him. Now I've heard stories about people leaving adoration looking radiant, eyes shining and bright. And I often think that when I look around during praise or adoration, that community members have such beautiful and radiant expressions on their faces and it's because they're reflecting him. And there's something about looking up for us physically. Our postures improve. We even lose our double chins. And you might have heard stories about people leaving confession with eyes bluer than blue or brighter than bright. So as well as contemplating him directly in his body, we can contemplate him in the beauty of the world around us. Now for me, I really strongly experience God at the beach at Phillip Island where our holiday house is. There's a deserted beach near us with rugged cliffs and at the base of the cliffs there's no land on the horizon and I can see only ocean. I imagine that the strong breeze is the Holy Spirit cleansing me and invigorating me and that the sea is like God the Father, so sure, so constant, so powerful. Where do you meet God in nature? Plan to go there regularly. I once travelled to Switzerland, through Switzerland by train, and I was completely gobsmacked when I saw the Swiss sitting with their noses stuck in their morning papers as they were driving through the most exquisite countryside of snow-capped mountains, blue, blue lakes and green rolling. I wonder what beauty we miss out on because we're looking in the wrong places or because we've grown accustomed. So we can also contemplate him in the saints or in other truly beautiful people that we know. Of course, the saints show us the beauty to which we're actually called as Christians. Now, Mother Teresa, for example, is one of my favourites. 
she won't win any beauty contests by today's standards. But we know that she possessed an incredible magnetism that drew people to her. Mother Teresa was attractive to people because of her holiness, because of her moral beauty. She was truly a reflection of beauty itself. And I think it's important that we have a whole host of role models in view, that we read about the lives of saints. And of course, we can contemplate him in the beauty of his most beautiful creation, the one who closely reflects his beauty, our Mother Mary. The word for grace in Greek is similar to that of beauty. So Mary, being full of grace, means full of beauty, beautiful. I keep quite a large statue of Mary on my dressing table, right in front of my mirror. And I do that to remind me that I'll actually find more beauty by looking at her rather than my own reflection. Okay, so we're going to, um, apart from letting the Lord, looking at the Lord, spending time with him in prayer. When we do that, then he will transform us on the inside. So this inner beauty is about letting our ways become his ways. It's about letting him make a home in us. It's about letting God mould us into his image and likeness, not trying to mould ourselves into our own image and likeness. And we can turn to the New Testament and get some really good insights into inner beauty or moral beauty. So in Peter 1 to 3, we read, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging your hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, I've heard a lot of women's, women scoff at this, gentle and quiet spirit. They say, I'm loud and I'm forthright and I talk too much. I can never have that sort of beauty. But I think this is a mistake because it's not an invitation to be quiet. It's an invitation to have a quiet spirit. And the woman that have a, has a quiet spirit is one that trusts completely in God. She trusts that she is in the palm of his hand, that he has a plan. She is unfazed by the storms in life. In Ecclesiasticus we read, Like the sun rising over the mountains of the Lord, such is the beauty of a woman in a well-kept house. I have a lot of friends who freak out at this one too. But I don't think it's an invitation to have our homes on the pages of country style. Rather, an invitation to be tidy and organised and welcoming. So how does this beauty on the inside transform us on the outside? Now, I love Wendy Shallot's description of her grandmother in Return to Modesty. She recounts the day that she described her grandmother to a friend as a beautiful woman. And the friend said, 
Oh, your grandmother, but she's old. You mean beauty on the inside and all that. But she said, no, she's beautiful on the outside. She has the eyes of a woman who knows a tremendous secret. Now, we as Christian women know this secret too. This secret that God the Father made me. He loves me and he wants me to share in his mission and live with him for all eternity. And people should be asking about this because of the expression on our faces, because of what we know. Our kids were really struck at World Youth Day by a big black African cardinal who addressed the kids and said, if your heart is full of the joy of the Lord, then please inform your face. <laughs> the smile is, of course, our most important beauty accessory, and it should radiate his love. And of course, in secondary schools, I always say to the girls, and what's the most important muscle in our body to exercise if we want true beauty? It's not our abs. Anyone have a go? It's the tongue. It's the way we speak. The sign of a truly beautiful woman is that she can speak beautifully, that she speaks and she can control her tongue. Now in the scripture too, we're told that we're living tabernacles. How do we treat the tabernacle in the church? With the highest respect, it's beautifully decorated with jewels and veils of ornate fabrics. It's surrounded by flowers and candles. It's regularly maintained, kept clean and orderly. Now, our, our bodies are living tabernacles. We should be treating our bodies with the same reverence and respect because we have Jesus inside us. St. Teresa of Avila tells us, he has no hands but ours, no feet but ours. So when we realise that our bodies are actually his, we reverence our body. We gladly give it what it needs. We speak to it kindly. There's no space for negativity. We're grateful for the gift of our bodies. We don't mistreat it or neglect it. Our body is a home for the Holy Spirit. Now I once remember in confession telling the priest that I thought I was perhaps spending too much time on my appearance. And I was a little surprised by the reaction of the priest who said, but I'm sure your husband is very happy about that. <laughs> of course he was no surprise that he was a French priest. But <laughs> and he said, it's part of your vocation as a wife to be attractive to him. And he also gave me some good advice. 
spend as much time on your inner beauty as you do on your outer beauty. So I'm going to finish up soon. Um, but we talked about this feeling of rejuvenation and invigoration when we experience looking at a sunset or being in a beautiful part of nature. Now, as a woman, wouldn't it be wonderful if when people looked into our faces, they experienced that same invigoration and rejuvenation as they do when they look at something beautiful in nature? And that's the sort of beauty that we're really called to as Christian women. A beauty that really speaks to the world of God's love. So we'll just finish with um, a short prayer together. I'd like to pray a prayer for you all. I pray, Holy Spirit, teach us and enlighten us. Holy Spirit, give us the grace to see ourselves and others through the eyes of God. We ask for a renewal of the gift of wonder and awe that we received when we made our confirmation. Give us the strength to reject the lies about beauty in our culture and the grace to contemplate you, to be united with you. Mother Mary, most beautiful of all women, protect us, pray for us, and lead us ever more close to your Son. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary.